The pandemic continues to impact us in a multitude of ways, some of which we knew uh, or and know, some of which we don't. Uh, we're still learning uh, new ways. The mental health aspect is one that has been discussed quite a bit, but we are learning more about the impact COVID has had on our mental health seemingly every week. Two studies published recently found the number of young Canadians who visited ER departments or required hospital treatment for self-harm or suicidal thoughts rose significantly during the COVID-19 pandemic. The greatest increase was seen amongst preteen and younger teen girls. The research builds on research that was already done that shows the profound impact the pandemic has had on the mental health of young people. Dr. Marcia Sirota is an author, speaker, coach, and psychiatrist and joins us now. I appreciate the time today. Good morning, Devin. Do the results of these studies surprise you at all? No, although they're very sad, extremely sad, they don't surprise me because um, we could all... We could already tell during the pandemic that people were struggling with their mental health and children are the most vulnerable population, children and the elderly. And so, you know, it's not surprising at all, sadly. What are you looking for as you monitor uh, this story? Well, you know, I'm thinking about how children are social beings primarily. You know, they learn from doing and from interacting. And those things were taken away from them during the pandemic, so it's not surprising that they're having difficulties coping now. What can parents, grandparents, guardians, friends do to help someone who may be struggling? Well, I think they need to notice the signs because especially, you know, younger children, they they may not demonstrate difficulties with their mental health in ways like that adults do. So we have to look for more subtle signs like irritability, um, difficulty with their schooling, um, truancy, um, fighting with their siblings or or not getting along with their classmates, um, you know, social withdrawal, sleep problems, things like that. We have to look for more subtle signs to recognize that maybe the kids are suffering. Just like, you know, COVID can sometimes look like it's, uh, you know, uh, the flu or a cold or something like that. Some of those, uh, you know, symptoms you just mentioned there could also be indicative of something else. So how do you tell one from the other, like an issue that might be a bit more serious than it might present? Well, I think that if we notice something going on, we need to ask, you know, we need to have open lines of communication without being judgmental so the child feels safe and and that they can feel like they're being supported as opposed to feeling like they're being interrogated. And uh, just keep the lines of communication open, talk to the child, see how they're doing, and if it looks like the child is struggling, then to seek out help. Is it an important part of this, too? You know, there's a lot of adults who have, have struggled during this. Uh, to help others, you got to help yourself. And I wonder if uh, some some people have maybe neglected themselves during all of this. Not not blaming anyone, but just the, the, the way that's kind of gone. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point, and it's and it's very common to neglect ourselves when when we're a parent, you know, because we put the children first. But you know that old 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 uh, parable: put the oxygen mask on yourself first. So I think that parents do need to attend to their own mental health because that's one of the best ways that they can. A parent by being healthy in body, mind, and spirit, they can be the best parents that they could possibly be. So for sure, they need to take care of themselves, and then they need to look for those more subtle signs that their child might be struggling. 
When we look at these uh, studies that I mentioned, uh, they focus on preteen and younger girls. Why do you think they are impacted so heavily? That's the age when younger girls are really starting to be social beings and get a lot of their identity and a lot of their sense of self from their peers and from their interactions and also from the things that they're doing. And when they couldn't have those experiences, they became more despondent, I think, more depressed, more anxious. And young girls tend to internalize more, so they tend to turn their feelings against themselves, whereas young boys tend to externalize more. Now, of course, there's always many exceptions to these rules, but as a tendency, young girls tend to be more self-directed, and so they might be more engaging in self-harm, whereas young boys might be doing more external things like being more destructive outwards. So I think that's why young girls are these this group that's being affected in that particular way. Are there there different ways to help uh, young girls as opposed to young boys in terms of some of the treatment and and whatnot? I think we really need to focus on building their self-esteem, giving them things to do that make them feel good about themselves, giving them a sense of agency and power, because one of the things that everyone was feeling during the pandemic was helplessness. And I think for young people who are just starting to get a sense of who they are and, and their own agency, that was very, very difficult. So to give young people, young girls, a sense of agency, a sense of power, a sense of competence, a sense of self-worth, I think giving them activities to do where they can be successful, I think that's a really good way for them to feel better about themselves and less despondent and and less uh, despairing. Do we have enough resources uh, to help all those impacted by the pandemic, in this case, you know, preteen and uh, younger teen girls? Right now, no. We are really um, struggling with a shortage of mental health supports um, across the board. So I think we need to get everyone involved, our communities, our our schools, whatever resources that are available, we need to use those because it's true we are really having a shortage of mental health professionals and mental health organizations to help our young people today. So uh, just to go back to what we were discussing, maybe closer to the start, if someone does notice something or feel someone they may be struggling, they may not be able or not unsure what to do, what should people do if they find themselves in this situation? Start with the family doctor if they have a family doctor. If they don't have a family doctor, a walk-in clinics, maybe even the emergency department if the child is feeling, you know, um, if they're engaging in self-harming or they're making suicidal gestures and, uh, you know, or any any um, organization that's nearby that might be engaged in some kind of social support. So whatever is available in the community is to, is to go to. You know, I know it's a really difficult time because there are so few resources, but whatever we can find in our community to, to take advantage of it. Dr. Sirota, certainly appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Devin. That's Dr. Marcia Sirota, author, speaker, coach, and psychiatrist. If you are thinking of suicide or know someone who is, there is help as well. Resources are available online at crisisservicescanada.ca, or you can connect to the National Suicide Prevention Helpline at 1-833-456-4566 or Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry, hurry. 
Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.